Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. Comeback special, sponsored by Vionetta. Now available in Christmas Yule Log flavour for a festive treat. That's right, it's a comeback special. So it's a special because we've come back. It's like the Elvis comeback special in 1968, except we haven't been away fighting in the army. We've not come back all trim and tanned and wearing leather. There's no screaming girls either, I think. Other than that, it's quite similar. You may know there's quite a few links with Iron Maiden and Elvis. There was that obscure live song, wasn't there? Hello, What's Your Name by Elvis. that inspired Steve Harris to write Hello Be Thy Name. And on the day that Elvis died, on August 16th, 1977, Steve Harris was so affected by the news that he wrote an advert for a magazine that very evening saying he wanted a keyboard player for Iron Maiden. So clearly, he wasn't in the best frame of mind when he heard about it. He wasn't thinking straight. Anyway, we've been away for five months, so thank you to anyone who missed us. We've had some nice comments. Uh, A hello also to any new listeners who might have started listening to it during the break. Some of you might have been listening, just thinking it was cool to listen to, because it looked like it was old and retro. But I'm sorry to disappoint you, because here's a current and new episode. The last show we did was back in July, and it was an album review special of Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I've had several comments since then, and I'll read some of them out. I had one from Dennis Taylor, who says that on the Women in Uniform episode, I mentioned that only three songs from My Maiden fade out at the end. And he says he notices I didn't mention Hell on Earth. Well, obviously I didn't mention Hell on Earth. It hadn't come out, had it, at the time. That's a silly comment. What do you expect me to do? Go back and edit it every time Iron Maiden release a new song that fades out. I think people can work it out from the date on the episode. I think most people appreciate this. So um, You might think you're clever, but yeah, you're not. I had a message from Mark Harvey talking about Trevor's relationship with Pamela. Now, you may remember, way back in July, he was talking about an open relationship, which we thought was him being more open with his feelings. It turns out, Mark Harvey says, that this is wrong, and an open relationship is where you can see other people while you're in this relationship, which seems a bit naughty. Um, however, this is good to know, so uh, thanks for this, and uh, maybe I'll mention it to Trevor later. I had a message from Henri Quichet, and he says that he turned 50 during the break, So many happy returns to you. Uh, He goes on to say that Trevor will be pleased to know that he burned all of his jeans and he's now happily wearing slacks. So that's good, isn't it? Finally, here's one from Matt Johnson. And he saw a recent tweet of ours where it had gig tickets from the 1980s. He was interested in the prices. For the number of the beast in 1982, a gig was £3.75. And he says this is interesting if you compare it to the 15 quid that's mentioned in 22 Acacia Avenue. And he wonders if the price of services of sex workers has also increased in the same way that gig tickets has. And I don't know the answer to this. I'm not going to find out. We've had several comments as well asking why we didn't do any Senjutsu episodes during the break. Well, it might be surprising to some people, but I quite like things in a nice order. And that's what's been happening with a podcast, isn't it? We've done the 80s, and, and then we're going to do the 90s. So if you want a podcast talking about Senjutsu, 
then I'm sure you'll find plenty. Right now, because it's a special, I'm going to ring Trevor early, which might be good or bad news, depending on your point of view. Hello, Wayne. Hello, listeners. Well, you're not supposed to say listeners. I did some studying over the break, and uh, it says that you're supposed to talk to the listener as if it's one person. So saying listeners excludes them a bit. So you need to talk as if it's one person listening. So they feel special. Well, it might be a group of people listening to the podcast. So I think the plural's okay. And I think this makes them feel special that I've mentioned them. Well, it's just from what I read, that's all. So uh, just bear that in mind. Okay, then. Hello, listener. No, that sounds stupid. All right, well, it's just something to consider, as I said. Anyway, what you've been doing during the break? I'm sure a lot of listeners would like to know. Well, without the podcast and our Sunday afternoon chats, I've been watching repeats of Midsummer Murders on the telly. What, the hit ITV detective series starring John Nettles? Yeah, the hit ITV detective series starring John Nettles. It was also mentioned in my still life poem, although I was watching it on other people's tellies then, through the window. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. How is the poetry book going? It's going well. Hopefully I'll be releasing it soon. Um, yeah, been a bit of delay, but... Yeah, hopefully information will be on social media and the Ko-Fi page. Good. Well, I see you did a competition for fans to get their quotes on it. Yeah, we had some good entries. We had three winners. Um, so, yeah, they'll be announced soon. Yeah, looked like a good set of entries. You had that poem, of course, didn't you? Did I? Yeah, that poem someone sent in. Didn't I forward it to you? No. Oh, right, yeah. Well, I thought the poem was too long, so I didn't. Oh, as usual, censoring things. We haven't even started the 90s yet. All right, well, I thought the poem was too long. I just wanted quotes, didn't you? So I've just taken some bits out of it. Uh, So it's more of a quote than a poem. Well, let's hear it then. Okay, uh, well, it was a poem from Catherine Clark, and it says, Wayne is the main man. That's a good start, isn't it? But then it says, Trevor's so clever. Mm. So, yeah, Wayne's the main man. Trevor's so clever. I'm a super fan, and that's Catherine Clark, not me. And then it says, but they're friends forever. Yeah, it's quite good, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah it's all right. I've, I've taken a couple of lines from it for the quote. Uh, the ending made me feel a bit sick, though. I was hoping to do this book as an audio book, like a lot of celebrities do. Why didn't you? Well, if I used the recordings of me reading them on the podcast, I'd have you always moaning and interrupting. Okay, well, anyway, what else important has happened while we've been away? You know, that thing. Oh, yeah. Well, Pamela and me, we're not in a love relationship anymore. Really? Yeah. It turns out an open relationship isn't what I thought it was. Oh, yeah. We had a comment about that from Mark Harvey. Did we? When did he send that? It was about mid-July. What, after the last episode? Yeah. He just told me. You could have passed it on rather than waiting, and that would have saved a lot of wasted time. Okay, sorry, Trevor, I didn't know. Uh, so, what happened? Have you split up? Uh, have you had to give her back the special laminator? No. Well, we're friends now. Um, she said we could be friends with benefits for a while. What's that then? Well, I thought it was friends who do nice things for each other. Benefits. What did you do? I baked her a blackberry pie. That's nice. Yeah, and one morning. I surprised her by blowing up a bouncy castle in her front garden. What, with your mouth? No, a foot pump. How did that go down? Huh, it didn't go down. I blew it up well. Oh, very funny. 
I mean, what was the reaction like? Well, I wanted it to be a surprise when she woke up, so I knocked the door, but her mum said she wasn't in. Well, that's disappointing. So what did the neighbours say when they saw you blowing up a bouncy castle in the front garden with a foot pump? They just said good morning. Why do you have to find negatives in things? It was a nice gesture. I'd love to wake up and find someone that inflated a bouncy castle for me in the front garden, wouldn't you? OK, all right, Trevor, we're moving away from the point of the podcast, as usual. So come on, there's something very important that happened while we're on a break. Something with a Far Eastern theme. What? Squid Games on Netflix? No, not Squid Games. Senjutsu, the Iron Maiden album. Oh, yeah. So what did you think of it? I liked it. I liked the build-up, the teasers, the singles, the videos. They mentioned Birmingham, didn't they, in the lyrics? From Hollywood to Birmingham, and the writing on the wall. I think other podcasts have mentioned that. But there's an area just outside Birmingham called Hollywood, so it makes sense, and it made me think of getting the bus from there. I think it's Babylon, not Birmingham. Well, that doesn't make sense. The only Babylon by bus I know is a Bob Marley live album. So anyway, the album's good? Yeah, I feel it's much better than I expected. I feel they've got no right to do an album this good at their age, with the challenges they've had. But then they're Iron Maiden, aren't they? And they're like superhuman. Feels quite final and emotional with the age we're living in and the references to their past and the lyrics and music. Okay, well, don't give too much away as we'll be covering this in about 2025. We should have covered it this year. All the other Iron Maiden podcasts have done it. Have they? Yeah, I'm surprised you weren't invited on some. Well, that's life, isn't it? Nobody ever asks me. And that feeling sums up my 1990s. Never asked or, or invited. You know, the parties, nights out. Even the Tupperware party's dried up. It's a shame, really, because I've got quite an interesting take on the album, which I doubt anyone else has mentioned. What's that, then? The Death of the Celts reminds me a bit of The Clansman. Oh, well, I'm sure that's been mentioned on other Iron Maiden podcasts. Oh, well, there's no point carrying on, then, is there, if all the other Iron Maiden podcasts have done it? Yeah, well, none of them mention puddings, though. Well, why would they? Well, here's something I wrote about it. Uh, is it a poem? No. It's like a review. Okay, go on then. Right. If the album had ended on Death of the Celts, I would have been happy and felt full and satisfied. But then we get not one, but two treats, like a double pudding of songs we feel we shouldn't have the room for, but we carry on indulging. Uh, okay. If the parchment was a pudding, what would it be? You see, these are the questions we've missed. I'd say eat a mess. Classic, with a mix of fruitiness and plenty of substance and cream. Occasionally sharp and a slight crunchy surprise. Don't you want to think about it? No, I know the answer. It's obvious. What about you? Uh, maybe bread and butter pudding with custard. What, stodgy? No, if it's done right it isn't stodgy. And here Iron Maiden do it right. They've got rid of the stodge we've had in recent albums. The stodge? Yeah, the stodge. Although the intro makes me think of this. When I wake up, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. That's right, that was Scottish heartthrob male duo, The Proclaimers. Anyway, what do you think about the album? I agree with you. I think it's excellent. I think the split on the vinyl's a bit awkward, though, having three discs. 
I quite like the CD split more. It feels like the time machine and the darkest hour should be separate, in which they're not on the vinyl. Yeah, well, I like the intro to Darkest Hour. It's like being at the seaside at Landudna. I'd have liked more sound effects like this. Perhaps some Japanese instruments to fit in with the theme. There's some folky elements. There's that flute sound, isn't there, on Death of a Cow? And some folky melodies. But it doesn't quite feel as thematic as Power Slave. Yeah, I like the folky elements, particularly on Death of the Count, which reminds me a bit of The Clansman. Yeah. I think the album grew on me nicely, but I think it's peaked now. I quite enjoyed that surprise of the first few listens, but now it's more familiar. I didn't like those articles online where they put the album in their top tens of all-time Iron Maiden albums after just being out for two weeks. That's silly. I mean, I think there was that initial excitement, wasn't there? Perhaps over-excitement when it came out. People were overreacting because it was such a nice surprise. But I think in the long term, we might rank it alongside Dance of Death. Really? Yeah, I feel that's gained more respect with time. And maybe it was the opposite at first. Maybe it was a bit of disappointment because it followed Brave New World. Um, whereas Senjutsu got lots of love because it seemed like the best album for ages. And yeah, that's probably right. It might be in the top three Iron Maiden albums of the last 30 years. But I think it'll settle and people will be more mixed about it eventually. Like they are with Dance of Death. Um, I get the impression that what I said was quite good but I don't think it come across well on a podcast maybe I needed a graph behind me to demonstrate yeah maybe I think it would be nice if this was the final album it'd feel right no I think they've got some more surprises yet yeah but why not leave on a high like you should have done with a podcast what do you mean you should have ended on 7th Sun that would have been a great place to stop instead of going on into the 90s dodgy period it was you who made me carry on I was happy to stop, but you kept bleating on, didn't you? Anyway, let's see what someone else thinks about it. It's time to put on your talcum powder and red leather trousers. It's time to go beyond the stratosphere. Fringe in your eyes, fray bentos pies in a world full of magic. So don't you stray When you reach the stratosphere It's time to go Beyond the stratosphere It's time to go Beyond the stratosphere Dennis Stratton here. It's been another tough year. You may have seen I'm auctioning my guitar to get some cash in. I was a bit disappointed to read some of the comments on social media. Someone asked if Julian was included in the price. I think you call these people trolls, don't you? The year got worse after seeing the new Iron Maiden album, Senjutsu. I heard a rumour that Steve had thanked most of the old band members from the 1970s and beyond. But not me. This wasn't nice. And then I saw there was a song called Stratago. If you split this word up, then you get strat and ego. I believe this is a veiled insult, suggesting I have an ego, and a reference to my comments over the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and that incident with the backing vocals on Phantom of the Opera. It's a shame, because it's quite a good album. A real foot tapper. I'm glad to see you're covering the 90s era in the new year. 
I'm preparing for Christmas. This time last year, I was complaining about Advent calendars. Seems quite trivial when I think back. Hopefully, there'll be no restrictions or food shortages this year. You'd think Frey Pentos would do a festive turkey edition. I might write to them, but it's probably too late now. Anyway, hope to speak soon. Dennis. Well, as Dennis said, we'll be continuing with the podcast in the new year, looking at the 1990s period of Iron Maiden. So there'll be an episode on Tail Gunner on the 4th of January. Before then, you can, of course, listen to last year's Christmas special again, which will by now be part of your Christmas traditions. You can listen in wonder once again to the Stetchford Male Voice Choir and their festive interpretations of Iron Maiden songs. And act surprised when Guy wins the vinyl in Adrian Smith's competition. We might have some more competitions coming in the new year, so look out for those on social media or our Ko-Fi page. So Trevor, can you confirm you'll still be doing the poems for the 1990s series? Yeah, I thought I'd change style a bit to celebrate the new 90s decade. Like how poetry changed from the 1880s to the 1890s, where writing that was seen as decadent became known as symbolist. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, I always think that's supposed to be funny for some reason. No, it isn't. Anyway, it was a big change for the world, wasn't it? From the 80s to the 90s, but especially for us, as we became teenagers. Do you remember any major changes in the world, Trevor? Yeah, I noticed that Wimpy seemed to be closing everywhere, and Burger Kings were replacing them. Okay. Yeah, I like Mr Wimpy. It was nice with him standing outside that shop on Corporation Street. He waved at me once. Okay, well, well, I was thinking of more important global events, although I think we were too young to know much about the cultural significance of things going on. The Berlin Wall coming down, for example. I remember that Night Rider man, David Hasselhoff's, singing that song about freedom, which of course inspired Steve Harris to write The Klansman, which I think sounds like Death of the Counts. Yeah, I remember the Berlin Wall coming down on the news, but I wanted to watch Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. I don't want to see walls knocked down on the news. To me. That was just like when you had the builders round to put up your new fence and extension. Wasn't that exciting to watch, was it? Those builders took weeks knocking your old fence down. What were they doing? I don't know. From memory, I think they were quite lengthy negotiation talks with my mum. Oh, right. Anyway, we'll talk about all this cultural stuff on the 90s shows. But yeah, there was a wind of change at the time. Like we could now wear big boys boxer shorts instead of Y fronts. The girls didn't fancy Bross and Kevin Keegan anymore. It was gritty urban popsters, new kids on the blocks. Didn't you have that birthday party at Stetford Swimming Baths in 1989? Yeah, well, well I mentioned that on previous episodes. Now we're in the 90s, of course, so uh, no point dwelling on that anymore. Let's talk about the school leaving party. I feel we need to mention that. I'd join a line under it all. You dressed up as a Centrinians girl. All right, there's no need to mention that on the podcast. Well, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not like Thomas Spencer dressing up as Daley Thompson. OK, well, yeah, we left primary school with a fancy dress disco. It was a nice opportunity to do the Rathchild dance for the last time. And then we went home to prepare for a new era. I cried. Ah, <laughs> did you? Yeah. I remember we took in autograph books on the last week, and then I read it late on the night of the last day. Powerful messages from teachers and pupils. Have you still got yours? I remember he kept going on about what Fiona Gregory wrote. Uh, no, no, I don't have it. I don't know where it is. I don't think about it much. Well, she wrote in mine, by hook or by crook, I'll be last in this book, which was a funny rhyme, and the crook was a reference to a shepherdess outfit. All oh, right. 
Quite strange, isn't it? I cried at messages from teachers and friends. But when Adrian left Iron Maiden around the same time, I wasn't affected. Well, it wasn't on the news, was it? Probably some fall of communism thing instead. Yeah. Wonder how we knew about it all without Twitter. Well, it's probably in Kerrang! and other magazines. Talking of looking back to the past, Paul Diano turned up outside my house at the end of November to have a catch-up and a talk about Senjutsu. Now, in our time, you might have seen reports about his leg with that photo of him signing a giraffe. His leg ballooned and he needed surgery and there was like a big crowdfunder to help him pay for it. I was disappointed to read negative comments at the time, like, why doesn't Steve Harris just pay for it? And I suppose you don't fully understand the side effects of time travel. I don't think these are very helpful. Anyway, luckily, he got it sorted. Here's some of the chat we had. Well, Senjutsu then. I've been wanting to tell you about this for a while. Might have been a nice scoop for you. Talking of scoops, can I have some ice cream this time? Yeah, yeah, I'll get you some. What do you think about the fact that there's a song called The Time Machine? Well, it's a nice tribute, isn't it? Some people have commented that I'm not on the list of band members, mentioned by Steve in the credits. But this is all the acknowledgement I needed. A sort of in-joke between Steve and me. It's a shame Bruce had to sing it. Have I ever told you about my time machine? I said those very words to Steve when I appeared in his hotel room around the same time as the previous occasion I mentioned. I got mixed up over which date I'd originally told him about it all. Be like you with the Deja Vu episode when I turned up to visit at a sequence. I had told him in my past, but I couldn't remember if it was in his future. Uh. Anyway, clearly he was making notes and saving it for a song as usual. I'm sure I used the phrase days of future past as well, but I can't remember. Do you think Death of the Cow sounds like the Klansman? I think it does. Nah, uh, well, I don't know the Klansman. I don't know the naughty staff, so I can't say I do. I suppose I won't be visiting you as much now. You never played some of those 80s stuff on those cassettes I gave you? No, well, I played some of it. Oh, disappointing. How do you think the album compares to other newer Iron Maiden albums? Well, I haven't heard a lot of the new ones. I'll just wait till I get there naturally. I'm not travelling forward in time just to hear the new Iron Maiden albums. I'm sure some fans would love to do that. Know if there's a follow-up, what will happen on the tour. I'll be waiting to see if they play the time machine. Might be a claim for royalties, using my line. Maybe they'll invite you on stage for a laugh and a hearty wave. Nah, I don't think so. I see Bruce is doing his own tour. Some spoken word tour. What a joke. Times must be hard for him. I thought it was a good idea. Who wants to hear him banging on? What was his book called? What does this button do? It was full of rubbish. Even more than my book. Well, I suppose I haven't written it yet. What do you mean? I mean, my book's got a reputation, but people should have a look at his. No, no, you said full of rubbish. What sort of rubbish? Well, I nearly stopped reading after about page six. Kept going on about how important and intelligent he is. How as a child, he saw important news headlines on the front of the paper and stopped his dad from putting them on the fire because of the historical importance. Right. Right. One of those stories was Yuri Gagarin shot in space. That was 1961. Bruce wasn't even three years old then. You telling me a toddler could read a headline and decide this was important news? Rubbish. OK, well, back in July, you may remember that Trevor kept going on about having the 75th episode as a 1980s special, because we've had 74 up till now. So I think it's a good time to have a look at the 1980s, and hopefully you've heard the episodes about the 1980s songs, because a comeback special might be a bit of a strange place to start listening to the podcast. 
I think we covered the 1980s quite well. Not just Iron Maiden, but a bit of other music and world events. So we had things from the period like Wham! and George Michael. We had Kraftwerk. Kicker on the coconuts and the pet shop boy. There's the Pesh Mode, of course. We had that cover version. Overall, it's quite a good deck. Yeah? What was your favourite album then of Iron Maiden? Well, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Can we say what the best 1980s album is? There's no right answer. And if someone said any of those first seven albums is their favourite, I wouldn't be shocked or argue with them. Well, that's a cop-out, isn't it? If you didn't own any of their albums on vinyl, and I know you've started collecting vinyl again, which would you buy first? Well, you can't say that. I mean, I might be guided on which sleeve looks nice. I might try and buy them in chrono- chronological order. I tried to make a Top Trumps deck for the 80s albums to make it easier. A Top Trumps deck? Yeah, but you can't play it as a game, as there's only seven cards. Or couldn't you have included Live After Death to make it an even number? No. Okay. On these cards, the categories are out of ten. And I've got Artwork, Best Song, Worst Song and Trevor's Vibe. Trevor's Vibe? Yeah, it's like women's intuition, like a gut feeling. I don't think Worst Song's a very good category, because surely for Worst Song's an anomaly. Anomaly means something that deviates from what is usual or expected. Surely if a song's an anomaly, it'll have too much impact on the whole album. So isn't it better to do like an average for each song on the album, like most people do? No, this is my rules. So if I add up all the marks out of ten, then I get a total score for each album, which I call Trevor's Total Score. And with that in mind, it's a three-way tie between Number of the Beast, Power Slave and Somewhere in Time. So that's exciting, isn't it? Uh. But then I thought maybe artwork is weighted too much. So I took that out, then it was pretty equal. The Number of the Beast won, because it had the highest mark for best song. But I agree with you, Wayne. I'd rather listen to other albums than this, so I can admit when an experiment doesn't work. Okay. There are four amazing songs on Power Slave, so maybe that should win. Right, we're looking at our favourite songs from the top threes we did on each album special. We chose ten songs the same from the 21 choices we made. 21 is three times seven, of course bit of maths for you. So you might think we could do a wimp top 10 songs of the 80s from these 10. What were they? Wrathchild, Killers, The Number of the Beast, Hallow Be Thy Name, Where Eagles Dare, The Trooper, Power Slave, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, Caught Somewhere in Time and The Evil That Men Do. That's a good list. Yeah, but I think it highlights the problems we've already mentioned. I mean, we agree on two from Killers, maybe because the competition on that album wasn't as great. To me, they're what I'm going to call glaring omissions. What are they then? Oh, Phantom of the Opera and Infinite Dreams were number ones that I chose that you didn't even pick in your top three. And maybe Aces High should be considered. Well, for a lot of people anyway. I mean, that was only number three for me. That shows the difference between the Killers and the Power Slave albums. All right, well, I'm sure there were classics that I chose that you didn't pick. Wasted Years, Revelations. Yeah, Moonchild was number one for you. Yeah. I'm running free. (laughs) 
Alright, well, maybe we'd change the top threes if we did them now. The debut album did have completely different top threes from us, though. So six different songs that we chose. That's interesting. Yeah, although I think you were just being difficult at the time. Uh, on Seventh Son and Somewhere in Time albums, they had five different songs. So that's an interesting factor when we consider the best album. So either they've got more great songs, or the standard's more consistent overall. What were the worst songs? Well, based on my groan index, which is where I groan when I hear the first bit of the song, you might think Die With Your Boots On, Quest For Fire, or Can I Play With Madness are the three worst songs. But I think the latter is there, due to its position on a classic album, which I mentioned on that episode. And that's probably better than some of the songs on Killers. So what were the highs and lows for the podcast, Trevor? Probably gaining confidence through poetry and the Stetford male voice choir. Well, I assume they were the highs, so nothing I did then. No. What were the lows? Probably Pterodactyl Mark or Uncle Steve's poem. OK, well, that's interesting. Maybe don't go on about that so much because I might be asking both of those to contribute in the 90s series. Huh. What? Nothing. All right, well, as mentioned at the top of the show, in three weeks' time, we'll be looking at the 1990s with Tail Gunner on the 4th of January. So put that in your diaries when you get them for Christmas. I made an end of the decade by releasing Made in England in November 1989 on VHS. And this was the show at the Birmingham NEC the year before. You may remember I mentioned Infinite Dreams was a single from it. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this or do a special episode. But Steve Harris did take a long time over the video, editing it, and apparently... He removed a clip of Dave Murray mouthing some lyrics on Moonchild. He also removed a groan at the start of Die With Your Boots On. So Iron Maiden at the start of a new decade, Adrian Smith replaced by Yannick Gers. How will they cope? How will they respond to the changes in music and society? Find out in my next cycle of seasons, of episodes, of, of songs. Mm. Although if you're a fan of the band, you already know all this. The 1990s is often seen as their weakest period. But for the next album, No Prayer for the Dying, Steve Harris wanted to go back to basics with the sound, and Adrian Smith didn't like this. He felt that the band was improving and growing and doing more on each album, so maybe he felt this was a step back. I might try and emulate this back to basics business by using a more basic microphone for the podcast. I probably won't record it in a barn though. The good news is, if the podcast isn't as good as it was before, I can use the excuse that I'm just reflecting what happened with Iron Maiden. So, yeah, think about that before you complain. Either way, I hope you'll join me. We can face the decade together with some new features, old tricks. And poetry. Yeah, and poetry. So that's the comeback special. I suppose that's how special it really was. Just a quick hello, really. We're still here. We still exist. And, uh, yeah, hope to see you next time in the new year. So, uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.